Hopefully it will stay. Happy New Year to everybody. One of the New Year's resolutions for some people uh, is to lose some weight. So to lose some weight and uh, uh, this is a good thing to start the new year for some people and uh, I wanted to, I was thinking about this uh, that I might need to lose a few <laughs> kilos and uh, uh, also was thinking about what if we what about uh, thinking about this issue spiritually? Sometimes we carry some burdens and gain on us some things that we shouldn't carry with us and we should get rid of it. And uh, all these extra things that come to our faith, that, has not, that is not part of the gospel. Because what is the gospel? is Jesus. So we should put away, as also the scripture says, we should put away all uh, things that hinder us and uh, are uh, gaining us back uh, in our uh, strife and in our uh, way to Christ and to glory. So we should get the gospel as it is, Jesus. Because Jesus plus anything is not the gospel. Jesus plus nothing is the gospel. So I would like to read uh, a few verses from Paul's epistle to the Galatians, chapter 1, the first 10 verses, as uh, the basis of our uh, study this morning. And the Word of God says in Galatians chapter 1, from verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to per pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade man or God? Or do I seek to please man? For if I, if I still pleased man, I would not be a bound servant of Christ. Amen. This letter uh, to the Galatians is uh, Paul's most uh, fierce uh, letter. It's uh, 
full of fire. He was on fire when he wrote this letter and uh, he might be a little bit angry as well when he wrote it because it says, I wonder and I have no words to say that you are turning away from the true gospel. And then later he will uh, open up uh, what does it mean and what they are doing. Uh, and he also say in, in front of you, we preach Christ as crucified and you could see with your eyes when we preached him and still you are turning away from him. So Paul is uh, defending the gospel here. It is most probably one of uh, Paul's four first letters. Some say it's the letters to the Thessalonians. Some say it's this letter. Uh, I'm not sure, but if it's his letter, we might understand his tone here, that he is so angry. Later, when he got used to the churches and to the writing, he <laughs> calms down a little bit, maybe. We don't know for sure if it's the first letter or not. But uh, anyway, if it is uh, his first letter, that uh, it means he, he wrote it after his first missionary journey, sometimes uh, at the end of the, the uh, 40s or the early 50s, uh, after he, he went and, uh, on a mission to Galatia. Galatia was a large area in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey, and actually it, uh, it uh, divided the whole uh, so-called peninsula or the whole area of Turkey, modern-day Turkey, from the Black Sea to the Mediterranean Sea, from Pontus to Phrygia or from Philia. The churches of Galatia, what we uh, find, uh, he went to, to preach in uh, during his first uh, journey, are uh, Pisidia, Pisidian Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and uh, other churches that are not named in that area. So, Paul, the apostle, who was called Saul, Saul that time, uh, we know about him that he, he was there when they stoned uh, uh, Stephen in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9. He also was uh, the disciple of Gamaliel. He was uh, learning under his, his, uh, at his feet, as he says uh, later. And uh, Gamaliel was uh, one of the leaders of the Jews in Jerusalem who said when they put all the apostles in prison and they miraculously escaped during the night, uh, the angel of the Lord came and opened all the doors and uh, the, the guards didn't know anything about. So in the morning when they said, bring them in to charge them, there was nobody in the prison. And the soldiers were put to death because uh, they couldn't uh, uh, keep them in the prison. So Gamaliel says at that time, be aware that in the past time there were others who started to teach and rise up and they 
thought to be somebody, but they just perished. And if it is from God, you can do anything about this movement. So at that time, they didn't do anything to the uh, disciples. Later, they beat him, beat them, and uh, later actually put James to death after uh, Stephen was martyred as well. So Paul was there when Stephen was martyred, when uh, they stoned Stephen, and he approved it. And later we read that he actually started to persecute the church in Jerusalem. So many of the disciples had to flee Jerusalem, and they went uh, all over the, the region and uh, the regions of provinces of uh, the Roman Empire. And that's how the gospel started to spread, because these disciples went to different uh, cities and started to preach Christ in the synagogues. And also, some of them, we are reading later, started to preach to the Gentiles as well. Peter, for example, had a dream uh, one day, a vision, three times uh, coming down uh, from heaven with all kinds of unclean animals, uh, and the voice said, kill and eat them, Peter. And Peter said, I never did something like that. And three men stood at the door, and the voice of the Spirit told Peter, go with them. So he went, and then uh, Gentiles uh, became Christian. And also there were some who went to Antioch and uh, started to preach to the Gentiles as well, not just to the Jews or the so-called Jewish uh, Gentiles, but to actual Gentiles started to preach and they received the Holy Spirit just like us. And uh, that time we see that uh, the church in Jerusalem actually sent Barnabas to see what is happening in Antioch. What is happening with all these Gentiles who became Christians and received the Holy Spirit. So when Barnabas was there, he, he knew about uh, the Apostle Paul, or Saul, who was at that time in uh, Tarsus, because he was from that city. We know that after he became a Christian on the road of, uh, to Damascus, when he, he wanted to put to prison not just the Christians or the disciples from Jerusalem, but also those who fled, he wanted to go after them, to catch them and put them to prison. And he had letters from the high priest to go to Damascus and the synagogues in there and take everybody prisoner. So he went on the road to Damascus and there Jesus appears to him and he became blind and we all know the story of uh, his uh, conversion. And uh, after he has to flee from Damascus because uh, his life is threatened and he stays for three years in the deserts in Arabia. Then he goes back and uh, he stays in Tarsus. And Bar Barnabas actually takes him with him and brings him to the church in Antioch. And there they serve together for a good year, as it says in the Acts of the Apostles. And then we see that uh, the church in Antioch, actually, as they were praying, we read this in uh, chapter 13 in the Acts of the Apostles, we read that in the church, in Antioch, there were some prophets, there were some teachers, and they were praying together. And the, the Spirit of the Lord said, 
take aside Paul and Barnabas and send them. And this is the beginning of the first missionary journey. We read about this in the Acts of the Apostles, chapters 13 and 14. So this is the time when they actually reach uh, the region of Galatia. And we read all the cities that they go there. We, we know that uh, when he was, for example, in, in uh, the Antioch of Pisidia, the other Antioch, the other town, uh, there he preached to the Jews, but because uh, there are many Gentiles believed in Jesus as well, so the Jews became uh, envious of them. So they turned against Paul, and uh, they drove him out, and they expelled him from their town and their region. And that's when Paul says, we, uh, I don't know the exact words in English, uh, we, the, We clean the, even the dust from our shoes, and we are going to preach to the Gentiles from now on. So anyway, uh, and then he, as he goes on, he actually went to Lystra, where he was stoned and left for dead. And even the disciples thought that he is dead. And when he went, they went there, he actually rose up and uh, went to the city and went to preach again. So. Paul, during this time, he did miracles and experienced uh, uh, supernatural things. And the churches in Galatia were aware of these things. And they were aware of the gospel and the power of the gospel. Because the letter to the Galatians and the letter to the Romans are very similar. And in, in Romans we read that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because that is a power of God for salvation. The gospel is not just uh, something we say or something uh, not related to real life. The gospel is something powerful. It is the power of God that changes lives. So what was the main problem in Galatia? Why he had to write this letter? We read that uh, there were a group of false teachers who went to Galatia from Jerusalem and uh, they started to teach a different uh, kind of so-called gospel, but we learned that Paul says there is no other gospel, there is only one gospel. Because nowadays, even nowadays, people uh, used to say that there is the gospel of grace, there is the gospel of this, and the gospel of that. There is only one gospel. Anything that is not the real gospel is not the gospel. So the so-called Judaizers who went from Jerusalem to Galatia, they said, yes, you need Jesus. You have to trust in Jesus. There is no uh, name, no salvation in other name than in the name of Jesus. But it's not enough. You have to trust in Jesus, but you also need to get circumcised. Actually, you need to become a Jew in order to become saved. So, 
Paul is not happy about this kind of message. And the main question is, how is a person justified before God? On what basis does God accept us? What is the basis that God uh, accepts somebody and uh, gives him salvation? To be justified means to be declared righteous before the tribunal of God. So God as a judge will declare somebody righteous. It doesn't change everything in me. It's just a declaration from God. And after the declaration, God is actually changing us. But before the declaration, we are the same kind of sinners. We are justified by faith through Christ and by grace. So, to be justified or to be declared righteous is a legal status of a man before God. We are either sinners or we are either saved. There's no in-between. We are either in the world or we are brought out from the world and transferred to the kingdom of God. So justification by faith alone, by grace alone, and by Christ alone. So Jesus' obedience is transferred to us. He obeyed the law of God. He did everything according to the law of God. He never transgressed the law of God. And on the other side are we. And us, we come with our sin and we have the, we stand before the judge and we know that we don't deserve anything but judgment. And then the judge says, no, this man's righteousness I transfer to you and I forgive all your trespasses, all your sins, everything you did wrong. That is justification. It doesn't involve any effort from our side. We don't have to do anything. We don't contribute anything to our right standing with God. Only as somebody said, we contribute our sins only to the equation. So it's by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone. So who were these Judaizers who went uh, and disturbed the churches in Galatia? And what did they teach? They said that you actually have to believe in Jesus, but you have to become a Jew and uh, keep the laws in the Old Old Testament. And we know that uh, in Acts uh, 15, the Jerusalem Council actually um, rejected this kind of idea. But the Judaizers 
actually taught something that is called legalism. They went back to the law. You have to keep the law. You have to follow the law. You can be saved without obeying the law. But we see from this letter and also from the letter to the Romans, as uh, Paul teaches and explains, that nobody can keep the law. Nobody is justified by obeying the law, because nobody can measure up to the law. But uh, what is legalism? It's a continuous threat to the churches, even in our days. And it's something natural that comes naturally to man to be a legalist. Legalism is to work in our power, to show something, to, to add rules and to create our rules and force our rules to others as well to keep them. Trying to earn God's favor, that's legalism. Legalism is things that we actually do in order to have a spiritual standing before God. Based on what we do or what we don't do. For example, if we don't read our Bibles enough, if we don't pray enough, if we go to church enough, if we do these kind of deeds, good deeds, and we have to earn our way before God. Or we don't have to do certain things like uh, drinking, uh, smoking, and so on, that people try to, uh, to do before God. So the truth is God's pleasure is not based on our doing. God is not pleased with us because of what we do or we don't do. It's not based on our performance, it's based on His grace. As I said earlier, we, are, we tend to like uh, legalism and we don't like uh, grace. Because it's easier to, to say it's easier to follow rules and just tell me what to do. Yeah. If God says, do this and do that, and, and you are, if you do them, then you live by them. And what grace says, law says do this or don't do this. What grace says, grace says there's nothing you can do to earn it. Actually, the law says you have to do this, you don't, you must not do that, and then you earn it. But nobody is able to do that. And grace says there's nothing you can do. It's the same thing, but from a different perspective. There's nothing we can do. We people like to earn our way. We like to show that we are able. We are this kind of uh, creatures that uh, want to measure up, to perform. And actually all the religions of the world are like this. People are trying to earn their way before God. 
They want to climb up to God. And this is inside every human being. And that is why we need to remind ourselves daily of the gospel. That is the other way around. God is coming to us, not we are going to him. God is coming down, becoming a human, and taking on him the human nature, and living a righteous life before God, and then dying for us, and taking on him our sins, and making us righteous before God. So, there was one man who lived 500 years ago, and he was very afraid of the wrath of God. Maybe everybody knows who is this man. It's Martin Luther, who studied to become a lawyer, but then during a storm, and he experienced the lightning very close to himself, and he feared his life for that. And then he, he made a vow to God that he would become a monk. So he became an Augustinian monk, went to the monastery, and did everything he could to get right with God. We can't imagine what he did. And his uh, fellow monks, uh, many times thought that he would die if he would fast some more hours, because he fasted so much. He ate only bread, drank only water. He chastised himself. He slept on the floor. And he did so many things. There is a movie, or actually two movies, an old and a new movie called Luther. I recommend everybody to watch it. And uh, but actually, he, he did everything he could. He went on a pilgrimage to Rome, where he was told that uh, he can get uh, some drops of blood from the martyrs and uh, drops of milk from the Holy Mother's breast and pieces from the cross of Jesus and so on and so on, that, uh, and all the relics of the saints that could clean and help him to get closer to God, and nothing helped. He was miserable, he was depressed, he, was, he had no hope. His greatest enemy was God, because he couldn't get right with God. And then he became a professor and started teaching in the university, and started reading and teaching the book of Galatians, and that is when he understood the gospel. As you read in chapter 3, verse 11, that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And this truth came as a lightning to him. He understood the true gospel, that there is nothing he can do. The Righteous shall live by faith. So faith in Jesus Christ. And his commentary on the book of Galatians became the most well-known book at that time, the time of Reformation. As later on, even John Wesley became a Christian reading that book. 
So we read uh, his salutation in the introduction to this book. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Paul says that his authority is not from men. Nobody uh, gave him this authority, no man. It's not coming from man, it's coming from God. And he says, and all the brethren who are with me. So he is not just, a, a, his authority or his message of the gospel is not just, it is his gospel or it is his message, but it's not, He's not a weirdo, like he's got this message and it's, it's unique. He says in all the brothers, th there is only one gospel. And this is the right gospel. And everybody should believe in this gospel because this gospel is from Jesus. And he says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And between these two verses, the verse, verse 3 and 5, there is verse 4, where is the message of the cross, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So the offer of, the, of grace and peace and the glory of God in between there is the message of the cross, the death of Christ. That's the basis of our grace. That's the basis of our uh, giving glory to God. Paul, an apostle. What is an apostle? The word apostle means somebody who is sent, a sent one. So, there's nothing fancy about this word, apostle. It sounds uh, interesting maybe in, in, uh, in English or in uh, our other languages, but uh, uh, the meaning of it is somebody who is sent. And is sent with a message. And representing somebody, the one who sent him. But Peter, uh, Paul is not using uh, uh, this word in this sense, because there is another sense of this word that is, you, we know about the 12 apostles, the 12 initial disciples of Jesus Christ who were chosen by him. And this is the, the way he uses this word, one who seen the risen Christ. And not any kind of apostle, not any kind of sent one, he is sent from Jesus Christ himself, because he has seen the risen Christ. He met the risen Christ. He heard his voice, and he sent him. He was an apostle on the same level as Peter, later we will read in this letter. So an apostle speaks with authority the message of the one who sent him. How many want to hear messages today and want to hear new revelation 
and fresh word and all kinds of things. But how many wants to hear the word of Christ that we have in the scripture? And there are so many we can see on television and on the internet who receive all kinds of odd revelations and messages and that contradict the Bible and contradict each other. And people are keen to hear them and uh, listen them and follow them. And, and, but this is only a kind of emotional uh, thing. But the real thing, we have to be thirsty and we want to, to know the truth and we want to hear Jesus' voice that we have here in this uh, Bible. Because only the real encounter with the truth is going to set us free. It says here, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age. What does it mean, this present evil age? Jesus prayed in his uh, uh, prayer in John chapter 17, Father, do not take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one in this present evil age. Don't take them out of this world, but keep them from the evil one. And we live in an evil age. And it's all around us. And it can have a grip on us. It has a grip on the society and uh, the institutions in our society. And exactly as we read in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. But we also read that uh, in Colossians, the same Paul is writing that God has delivered us from the power of the darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of his love. So we are not enslaved anymore to the, this age and to the teaching of this age, to the fear that is in our age, to the pride that is in our age, to all kinds of uh, things, the guilt that is there. We are not enslaved anymore. We are liberated from this. The liberation has begun. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And deliverance means change of heart. We are free from that. Our heart changed. It belongs to somebody else. It doesn't belong to this world. We have been taken out from this world and put into a different world. And the old age and the new age. We are not anymore in this old age. Our hearts belong to the age to come, to a new kingdom. We are free. We don't have to think and to act like the world around us. There is a power in us, the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ that gives us power to live and to please God. 
we can reject the world and we can be free. We have been set free, so live as free people. It says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Turning to a different gospel. There is only one gospel, says Paul. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to pervert. They want to change. They want to destroy this gospel. The Apostle Paul, when he is uh, saying goodbye to the elders of the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 30, he says, Also, from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. The Apostle Paul knew about this. There will be days when among from yourself. So the danger here to Galatia is not coming from outside. It's coming from inside. It says there are some among yourselves. We need to get a fresh encounter with the true gospel and the Spirit of God to give a revival in our heart, to love God and to get closer to Him. What is happening when people are turning away? <coughs> he says, I am marvel that you are turning away. To turn away the, from the true gospel is, is uh, something amazing. It's something uh, astonishing. He says, how can you do that? Because if you turn away from the gospel to a different gospel, then he says, you're turning away from him who called you. When we, are, we turn away from the true gospel, we turn away from God. And also... Because when we turn away from the gospel, we turn away from grace. Who called you in the grace of Christ. It says in chapter 5, verse 4, You have become... I want to read from... Uh, verse 3, chapter 5, verse 3. And I testify again that, that to every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from the grace. And what else? But even if 
we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. If you reject the gospel, it brings curse, or you remain under the curse, that, you, that we have been under the curse before turning to God. So whoever is turning away from the gospel is going back under that curse. And the word uh, curse here, maybe you have a small mark there that says in the footnotes that uh, accursed means anathema in, in the Greek. And that's the word uh, that he uses in the letter to the Romans when he says, I rather be anathema or cast away cut away from Christ, separated from Christ for our, uh, my, my brethren, the Jews. And turning away means uh, seeking to please man. Verse 10, for do I, have, do I now persuade man or God? Or do I seek to please man? But if I still please man, I would not be a bound servant of Christ. Do I want to please man? No, we don't need this. We don't have to please man. We don't need to please man. We don't have to measure up to anybody. You have only one Lord and one Savior to please, Jesus Christ. Only uh, one Lord and one person to please with all your decisions that you take in your life. You don't have to pretend something. You don't have to impress somebody with your uh, Christian life or your deeds or your life. That is what the Pharisees were doing. And uh, we call these now hypocrites. So, At the end, I want to say that sin is not taken away by living by the law or becoming uh, Jews, as these people wanted to do. Nobody can live up to the law. No one can measure up. Only grace from God can take away sin. And grace is not an ab abstract uh, concept. Uh, it is the person of Jesus Christ. You are turning away from him. You are turning away from grace. There is no grace apart of Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. They are together. Grace is the one-way love. Grace is the love that seeks you only when you are not worthy of love. It seeks you even when you have nothing to return. That is the love of God. You have nothing to give to God. It's being loved when you have nothing worthy to be loved. And I want to finish Reading one verse from Romans 5, 
Romans 5 verse 8. It says, God demonstrates his love, his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there is a song that says, Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin in the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know, could my tears forever flow, all for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to the world's unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Amen.